just making that all happen. Uh, and I'm excited, honestly, to be with you guys today. Hey, um, uh, we're going to be jumping into this. Let me uh, just give you a quick uh, situation. I went to uh, uh, Colorado Springs to the headquarters of CMA, got to spend three days and got to meet leadership. Actually stood in the office of the president of CMA. He asked me if I had a question. I said no. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, because honestly, everyone else had these great questions, so I was just listening. But no, it was just really good just to, again, just understand and where CMA is doing, what they're doing around the world, what they're doing locally, all those things, and even to talk to our district uh, guys. So I just want you to know that um, it was just good. It was just good to be with them. And so got back just in time to come in and just see this whole thing happen with um, this weekend. And uh, so for you guys that, that, that were here, man, what a great, great time. And so uh, ask the guys about it. Ask them what they're experience was. Uh, our speaker, Jeremy, we gave him an ammo box as a gift, and that's what he carried through security last night. Uh, and so and so he's like, and so I, we were all worried about it. He texted me afterward. He goes, the, T, uh, the TSA guy was a Marine, so we're all good. I'm like, all right, I, that's, uh, we're, we're good with that. So he made it home because my fear was we have him come and speak, and then he's in jail. So, uh, but that did not happen, which is really, really good. All right. So, uh, let me uh, get started on this. Uh, as you guys know, uh, we are in this series called Equipped. And um, if you uh, aren't aware, we've been doing uh, uh, this series. We started off with this concept of being a, uh, a disciple. Oh, by the way, um, YouVersion has all the verses from today, okay? So if you have your app, you can go to YouVersion, look under events, and it's all there, all right? So we started this concept about what it would look like to be a disciple, all right? And so then we moved this idea that we're always a disciple, and then we looked at the idea of what God's word means to us. And that is the, the blueprint. That's what we use. That's how we grow through what we do. And then we looked at the idea that God calls us to be a servant. If we're going to be a disciple, we're a servant. God calls us to, to, to wash the feet of those around us, to, to take care of the widow in their distress, to give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. All right. And then we looked at this idea of prayer, that there has to be a prayer life that is built into this uh, concept of being a disciple of Jesus. And then we've been in this section now of this idea of sacrifice. And then, of course, we looked at uh, three weeks ago, the idea of uh, Lindsay started with the, the, uh, the sacrificing of our hearts, and then I came in, the sacrificing of our identity, the idea that we, we die to self, and then uh, Lindsay came back, and the idea of our future and our time, and how do we do that? Now, before I go to the next slide, let me say this to you. Um, we're going to be talking about your money. You may be uncomfortable. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> And I'll explain that in a minute because um, I will tell you, it has been intriguing to me over the years to know we as a church can talk about so many different topics, but if you start talking about people's wallets or their, or, or their uh, pocketbooks, all of a sudden people get very upset. And, and by the way, sometimes rightly so because they just have felt like there are churches that were trying to get that dollar out of their pocket. Um, or it was like, hey, we got this thing we want you to help us pay for or whatever. Or, or, or you felt like, honestly, it was the guy up front that was telling you, hey, if you'll give more, then, then God will bless you, you know, and you'll do all those things. And so, um, but let me just say this to you. I am excited to share with you today. What we're going to talk about today is not, in, interesting enough, not about your money, although it actually is going to be very practically is. It's about your heart. In some way, I'm just kind of jumping back on top of what Lindsay said, the sacrifice of the heart, because this is a heart matter far more than a financial matter. But God has, in knowing us, set up a system in which, by the way, let me just say this bluntly, our heart is exposed. Our heart is exposed. 
And yes, it can be exposed um, by how I serve or how I love, but yes, our wallets and our pocketbooks are a way in which that's exposed as well. So I'm going to be saying some things that maybe you'll be uncomfortable with. What I ask you to do is if you're uncomfortable, ask yourself why. If it's just you don't like it, that's okay. But why? What's coming out of it? What's the thing you're trying to understand? So we have a lot of work to do. Um, If you're visiting and this is your first Sunday, oh, how fun this is for you. Um, Come back next week because we'll be talking about it again. All right, here we go. So uh, Genesis 4, 3 through 7 uh, is where we're going to start. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Here we go. So we have Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain comes to God and gives him an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So here's the difference. Because of the detail that we get of Abel's offering, we get this. Cain walked into his field, picked basically something, anything, just grabbed it and said, hey God, this is yours. Abel, well listen, took the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now by the way, you have to understand in the Old Testament, we're against fat, but God's for fat. Fat's the good part. Does that make sense? <laughs> fat brings flavor. If you don't know that, lean meat's not good for you. Get the fat stuff, all right? That's where the flavor comes from. So what's happening is, is that Abel goes, wait a minute, if this is for God, I give him my best. I give him my first. Now here's where it gets interesting. So in this idea of sacrifice, I want you to understand something. I want you to imagine that instead of an offering plate, we have a little furnace. And every Sunday, you are asked, and let's go back to the Old Testament times, to take 10% of whatever you have made and toss it in the furnace. So I want you to imagine, take your paycheck, cash it out, take 10% of your paycheck, and you're coming up and just toss it in the furnace. And go, Jeff, what what are you talking about? If I am someone who has, again, wheat and or animal, and I take that animal and I sacrifice it, in essence, that's what I'm doing. That animal is no longer for me. Does that make sense? I'm not going to get wool from that animal, or I'm not going to get milk from that, or I'm not going to get meat from that. I have literally, in essence, taken, again, 10%, and I have tossed it into a furnace. And again, if we did that here, um, you guys would be like, what? what, what? We're going to watch this? Because here's the thing. God's trying to say this. I, hold on, hold on. Step over here. That's a different guy. Over here, God doesn't need your money. God has everything he needs. He's not needing a loan from you. He's not putting a down payment on a summer house. He doesn't need your money. And, by the way, did not need those animals. God is fully sustained. So here's the thing we need to realize. If God doesn't need our money, if God doesn't need this, then maybe the giving is not for him, but the giving is for 
me. You need to understand that though I stand here before you and you're going to say, Jeff, what about offering? I want to walk you through all this, but you need to know God doesn't need it. So why does he ask for it? Because it's not about him, it's about you. Because if you can understand that what you have and what you get is from God, then you can give him the first because you wouldn't have any of it without him. Do you guys understand that? So in that, God said to his people, sacrifice. And again, that would be like you taking your 10%, tossing into a furnace. It's gone. As a matter of fact, the fat portions, he would smell the smoke, almost like the ribs we had for the men's, like the barbecue, the smell, right? And that smell would be a sense of people giving of that sacrifice. Does that mean? Because their hearts were there. Now I'm going to show you passage after passage of the fact that this is a heart matter. But I want you to grasp this from the beginning that we don't have a God that needs your money. So with that, you need to understand. So, so let me just even make this illustration. What's interesting is, is that we look at our money and then we try to say, wait a minute, but what happens to it on the other side, I should have control of it. So I'll give you a simple example. Someone meets me on the street and asks me for $5. My brain says, well, if I give you $5, you'll go down to the liquor store. You'll buy more liquor. You'll then get drunk. Therefore, I'm going to be a good person and I'll give you alcohol. Do you know what God says in his word? Give to them. Because here's the deal. It is in the giving to him. That is my contract. What that person does on the other side, that's between them and God. Does that make sense? So what happens is when I come to God, I go, my contract is just to give, not try to figure out what's going to get used with it on the other side. Whoever then receives that on the other side, that's their responsibility and they're accountable to God. I need you to understand the heart matter is, is I give. So here we go. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard, so Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Again, he just went into there, grabbed just anything, brought it to God, thought that was enough, and God goes, no, you, you had no heart in this. Yeah, you gave me something, but you didn't go in and say, what's the first, what's, what's the best? You just gave me something. Now that tells us that when we come, how is our heart when it comes to giving? The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Listen, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So here's what he's saying. If your heart's not fully for me, then you need to know that sin is crouching at the door. And by the way, I know where your heart is by what you give and what you do. And by the way, shortly after this, Cain kills his brother Abel. Okay? Look at this next passage. Isaiah 1, 11 through 17. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? And you need to understand the people were bringing it. They're bringing their sacrifices. I mean, I mean, it's just stacked up. 
What is it to me? What to me is it the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. You need to understand, this is what God's saying. It's not about the rams, the bulls, and the goats. Because you could be someone who goes, look, I just have to do this because I have to do it. And you can walk in there and grab a ram, take it down, have it sacrificed. But God goes, but if your heart's not here, then we just had a barbecue for no reason. You're going to see over and over again that God cares more about your heart than he does about what the actual amount is. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? You know what he's saying here? Hey, great, you showed up. But if your heart's not here, then you're just making my house full for no reason. Because we go, hey, I'm here. Check. God, did you see me? Okay, count me in. Good, I'm out. I don't, he goes, I don't need the trampling of my courts. I just don't need you to show up bodily but not have your heart behind it. Again, who has required of you the trampling of my courts? Showing up is not enough. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. What he's saying is, I cannot endure sin, and yet we're going to come together and have a solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. How can you be those who are killing, hurting, and doing this? Say, oh God, but please be with me. There's no change in you. Again, just coming and giving the sacrifice without having there be a heart transformation and you wanting to do what would be honoring to him in your life, God goes, I'm done with it. I hate it. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your deeds, and before my eyes, cease to do evil. See, there's where the heart gets in part of it. Your evilness needs to be dealt with, and you're coming to God going, I am evil, and I want to come before you, and I give this sacrifice because I see my sin. Then we're talking. But if you're not going to look at your heart and then just come and bring the sacrifice, he goes, there's no purpose to it. This hasn't changed anything. This poor animal is going to get slaughtered for no purpose because you aren't have a heart behind it. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Then you'll have it because then your heart's behind it because you're seeing a bigger issue. Okay? That was Isaiah. Let's go to Malachi. Malachi 1, 6 through 10. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. 
When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, because this is what's happening. Oh, I'm supposed to give you the first. I'm supposed to give you the best. And they would walk in and go, okay, there's a blind one. That's not going to cost me anything. Let me give them that. Is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. By the way, have the governor over to your house and give him the lame one, the sick one, the blind one. How will that do for you? And the answer is you wouldn't do that because you know the governor then would have an attitude against you. But you have no problem doing it to God. Will he accept you, accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? I want you to know I love this next passage. Oh, that there were one among you that would shut the doors. Where are they shutting the door? To the access to the temple. Oh, that one of you among you would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. So here's the problem. We keep thinking it's about the sacrifice and the offering, and God goes, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. But what you bring to me, how you bring it to me, how much you bring to me, or how little you bring to me, tells me about your heart. And you need to know that we have a God that has not changed. Oh, Malachi goes on. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will man rob God? Now we're getting into money. Will man rob God? You are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Oh, God doesn't need all of that. Definitely the church doesn't need all of that. If I give it to the church, they're just going to blow it anyway. If I give it to the church, they'll do things. You know, it's better that I have control of it. It's better that I dole it out. And you've missed it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to say it to you, and I will say it to the day I die. You, when you give on a Sunday morning, are not giving to Cedars Church. You are giving to God. What Cedars then does with it, that, is, that literally then becomes under the elders and those who have charge. Your gift is to come and this is the place in which you give to God. And you need to know that he is looking on your heart as to how you approach that situation. Because again, let me tell you this. You might be saying, well, if I just give it to the church, it's just like burning money. Yep. Because for your heart, it should be, God, this is yours. And it's not mine anymore. I don't get to use it. Because I want to give to you first, and I want to give to you best. Because it's about what you've done in my life and how you have blessed me. Watch this. But this is the one that comes with a promise. This is what God says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. This is what God says. Test me in this. Come on, test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need. 
Now that's talking to the people of Israel. By the way, when they first got to the promised land, that's exactly what he did. He just poured blessing on them. He says, test me in this. So uh, for Jody and I, um, every marriage, you got to go through things, figure things out. For whatever reason, God bless us in this one way. Tithing was never our, our battle. It was never the, uh, 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 a place where we, uh, and mainly because of our parents. They just modeled it. My mom, every Saturday, did the exact same thing. My mom would set out all the bills on the dining room table and verbally every Saturday. I didn't notice it for probably decades. Then one time I noticed it and I put it together. She did it every Saturday. She would write the tithe check and she would go, this is God's. First check. Because she goes, if I don't write this check, then the rest of these bills will not get paid. But if I try to pay all the bills without writing this check, chances are I'm in big trouble. She just modeled that. Gave the tithe. There it is. Done. And for Jody and I, we walked into that process and tithe. Now, let me tell you something. We're going to get into the question about the 10%. The 10% is a really interesting uh, guideline. It's 10%. It's in the Old Testament of the tithe, 10%. Is that the guide for today? It could be for you. I'm going to tell you this. Um, Andy Stanley has a quote that says this. You should give in such a way that it affects your lifestyle. For Jody and I, giving 10% affects our lifestyle. I'm being honest with you. If we didn't give the tithe, we could use that money to help pay bills and do the things we want to do. And do, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, 10% for us, that is an affecting of our lifestyle. For some of you, 5% would affect your lifestyle. And listen to me, for some of you, it would take 30 to 40% to affect your lifestyle. To a place where you're going, God, I want to give to you in a way that I need you. I'll show you that in scripture in a minute. But I'm just telling you, for Jody and I, yes, 10% is where we're at, but that affects our lifestyle. But we trust him in that. And if anyone has been around us, God has blessed us and 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 blessed us. Now, as I say that, Jody would want you to know, and that's because she's making sure that she's watching, because I don't watch the checkbook. Does that make sense? Like, I'm the guy going, isn't great God blesses you? He goes, yeah, because you're not the one staying up till two in the morning doing the checkbook, trying to figure out how this is all going to happen. And yet, she sees God's blessing us as well. Does that make sense? But I can become flipping about it, right? Oh, God blesses us. And Jody's the one sweating bullets, right? And yet, she would be the first to say, but yes, God has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. God's asked us to give away money. God's asked us to, to, to take care of things in a way that was, was significant. And yet we have watched them come back and pour on top of us. And that's what I want to say to you. Test me in this. I will bless you. I will bless you. Barna just did, if you guys don't know who Barna is, Barna Group uh, does all of this um, surveying. And this is the newest results that came out. Tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. Tithers, the ones that actually tithe, that will make up between 10 and 25% of a normal congregation. It's the old rule, the 20-80 rule, that 20% take care of pretty much everything, right? That's the concept. Only 5% of the U.S. tithes. 5% of the U.S. Watch this. With 80% of those who do tithe only giving 2% of their income. By the way, if the 
salary goes above $100,000, that drops down to 1.5%. This was the stat that blew me away. Christians are only giving at a 2.5% capita, that's percent, right? While during the Great Depression, they gave 3.3. On percentage, poor, the poor, on percentage, give more than the rich. On percentage. And by the way, that stat has stayed true. That stat has stayed true. Now, why do I bring all these numbers up? It's not about numbers. Everything I just read you is a heart matter. Everything I just read you is a heart matter. If I gave 10%, well, the church, it's not about the church. Because that's the first thing we do. Well, if I, I mean, we look at the amount, we go, oh my gosh, that's 10%. If I gave that to the church, that... By the way, they did a stat. In America, those today who call themselves Christians, if they gave 10% annually, it would be $165 billion. By the way, with that amount of money, in five years, we could take care of all hunger in the world. We could literally take care of all housing in the world. Listen to me, in five years, if that was the number. And we could begin to educate the entire world. Listen and still have 90 billion left over if the church tithed. It's a heart matter. So watch. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting in money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. You would think that's the woohoo! That's fine unless you're a God who doesn't mean money. Does that make sense? The large sons don't impress him. Uh, he made gold. He's got it down. Does that make sense? He created diamonds. I think he's got this covered. But people are putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put into two small, two small copper coins, which make a penny. Now, here's what's interesting. All these guys are putting in. Jesus just sits there and watches. And by the way, if you don't think that Jesus watches what you put in the bucket, he did in Scripture. He stood and watched people. Can you imagine Jesus, the rabbi, just standing there watching the bucket? Huh. Well, really? Hmm. Oh. But this is what got him excited. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, He is excited. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. Because what is he looking at? Heart and sacrifice. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And I believe in all my heart that means that God took care of her. I need you to understand that I'm not trying to come to you to try to get more money for this church. I want you to experience what happens when you put God first and you give to him because he is best and you begin to, he says, test me in this way and I will tell you, it will transform you. And I have watched it happen again and again personally. I had two different secretaries who came to me and said, hey, I'm going to start to tithe. And they would come back to me and they go, this is weird. 
I'm giving away this money, but all my bills are paid. And now there's extra. That happened with one. And I said, same thing happened. Hey, I, I decided to start the tithe, and I gave. And she, I don't know how it's happening, but, but our bills are paid, and we have extra. And I've happened, watched it happen over and over again. Talk to, to Nathan and Allison about what it means to give in that way, and they'll tell you of stories of all of a sudden people go, wait a minute, all of a sudden God said, test me, and God came through. That doesn't mean he's going to just pour down money where you're rolling in, rolling in dough. It means that he takes care of you and blesses you. Mark 12, 33. And to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and with all strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Because that's heart. So let me say this. It's not just giving. Because here's what happens. When you start to give... You start to care about what you give to and what it's about. And all of a sudden you do start taking care of, God, how do I love you more? How do I trust you more? What did you say? Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. By the way, read that section. It ends with, you cannot love both God and money. So, Hosea 6.6 says this. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. See, you think the giving is about making sure that the church has all this. Let me, let me say this to you. Maybe some of the elders won't like this. If you think it's about us, give someplace else. Just give. Give to Young Life. Give to CMA's missionaries. Give. Test him. Go into this place. Trust him. 10% is a good place to start. But if that would truly affect you negatively, your lifestyle, drop it down. But for some of you, bump it up. Where are you in a place that God needs to show up? I'm telling you, Jody and I are in a place where God needs to show up. And we are blown away that he does. That doesn't mean that it's easy. And again, look at me. The oblivious guy who doesn't know what's in the checkbook. That's easy to say. I have seen the stack of bills and this is me when I come. Oh, oh, okay. I don't want to be over there watching that. It scares me. But I know this. God brought us to the Bay Area and we said that Jody was going to stay home with our kids. And for 16 years, with Jody being able to be at home, and yes, she's done some things she's taught a couple of times, but for the most part, God has paid our bills. And by the way, our kids pretty much have what they need. They've gone to camps. People blessed us and, and, and blessed us with other gifts they've had and, and taken us on trips. And for what God, God's just blessed us. But it started first with, He said, God, we're going to give to you first. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So what do I want? I want you to sacrifice, but let me tell you something. I just don't want you to give. I want you to have knowledge of God. I want you to seek him. I want you to love him. I want you to put him first. I want you to see that everything you have is because of him. And again, we could have a little furnace. If that make you feel better, like don't give it to the church. I'll just rather throw it in the fire. If that's what you feel. Because here's the deal. He doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. 
He needs you all in. And I'm going to say this as we end. I think too many of us are more like Cain instead of being like Abel. That's telling me to stop. Let me pray. Father, would you please, please, root out the cane in our lives. That we just give whatever we have left over. We just give whatever we can or when we feel like we can. But Father, let us be like Abel who said, if you're God, you're getting my first and you're getting my best. And then Father, as we give to you, either through this church or through someplace else, that you are glorified then because you will take those funds and make it possible for more people to love you first and love you best. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you have said to us, your heart matters more than your dollar. And may you never say of Cedars, would someone go in there and shut the doors? Would someone stop them from just coming in and being robots and just doing it because they have to? May it be of Cedars that the doors are open and you see people giving to you out of their best and out of their first. And I pray this all in the name of your son who was your best and who was your first. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.